Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have John Latta as our special guest. John is a mystic, author, teacher, and former founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar consumer products company. He shares intimate and personal stories and teaches workshops on leadership, healing, transformation, awakening, love, synchronicity, and wisdom that unite and expand the human experience. He lives with his wife, Wendy, in Redmond, Washington. John, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited to talk with you, and we always like to start our podcast by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking. Uh, thank you for the invitation, Kelly and Carrie. Super happy to be here. Um, so four things I do when I want to expand my thinking. Um, I meditate. Um, if that doesn't work, when I go to bed at night, I ask for a dream. It's actually amazing how many times I can't access something where I need to expand my thinking, but uh, my, I can through my dreams. And a lot of uh, intelligent, uh, genius Type intelligence is available to people through dreams. They just have to ask. Uh, the other thing I do is I jump in the car and I go for a long drive on a lonely stretch of road. And I have five acres of lawn here. And I get out of my riding mower. So those are the four things I do. Meditate, ask for a dream, go for a long drive, or go, for, go out and mow the grass. I Thank you, John. We're so happy you're here. I love that you mow the grass. And I just, there's something, but there's something so Zen about, it's like washing the dishes and you yep. mow the grass and you, you've done something. It's in a contained space and you see the product, the, your, the end result. But I have to ask, because we've had people talk about meditation, not someone mowing the grass. So you have two new things, John, that people haven't <laughs> talked about mowing the grass, but you know, I'm going to ask about the dream. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about how you realize that you should ask for the dream and tell us how you do it. Cause I want to well, try it. John. So I went to my first ever spiritual retreat with great fear and trepidation 20 years ago. And the teacher was this brilliant medical man. And he taught that dreams were sacred and he named all these famous individuals. And I, I forget the list of names, but I think everybody from Einstein to Edison to the artist Salvador Dali, uh, I think Nikolai Tesla, you know, were aware that there was this amazing amount of genius intelligence in what they would call the unconscious, if only they could get to it. And um, and so I started, uh, there was a process I'll share now about, uh, I didn't know I had dreams. I didn't know I had access to dreams. But he said, here's the process. Go to bed at night. And if you have a question, a vexing problem, even just wanting to expand your thinking, 
uh, grab a journal, a pen or a recording device, put it next to the bed. And as you're falling asleep, um, try to imagine in your mind's eye walking up to the edge of a cliff, taking all of your clothes off. So you're completely naked. Turn your back to the abyss. And as you start to drift off for, to sleep, ask for a dream, ask a question and then fall backwards into the abyss in total trust. And sometimes you would be amazed what comes through. It might come through in the first five minutes. It might come through in the last minute before you wake up in the morning. Write it down. It might not make much sense at first because a lot of times dreams speak to us not directly, but through symbol and myth. And um, I just found like it was the greatest tool imaginable. As long as your question is sincere and very clear, uh, you might not get it the first night, but ask the second, the third, the fourth night. Something will come through. And um, I, I forget who it was. There was some uh, scientist that was so aware that everything he ever wanted was in what they call the unconscious, if it only could get there. And he set up an experiment where he would fall asleep in his chair. And I forget exactly how it worked. He was holding something that uh, like in his hand and he knew if he fell asleep, he would let go of it and it would kind of crash to the floor and it would wake him up and he would try in that split second mm -hmm. to capture the dream. Because if you don't capture in that first second or two, it tends to slip through our fingers. Yeah. So it is, uh, it's an amazing place to go if you're looking to get out of your box and we all get stuck in boxes. Yeah. What, if you don't mind sharing, is there one, um, episode or dream that stands out for you that really just changed things? Well, in my book, uh, The Synchronicity of Love, I think half the dang book, and it's 119 short true stories, mostly true stories. I think half the darn book is me getting answers through dreams. Mm. And <clears throat> um, gosh, I hardly even know where to begin. There's there's so many different, I had a number of physical problems that I healed through dreams. Um wow. I'm kind of one of those people that um, his body, my body runs hot all the time. Even in Seattle, I'm one of those people that wear shorts and a t-shirt in winter. And, you know, nobody in Seattle has air conditioning. And so when we do get hot weather in the summer, I tend to suffer. And one particular year I was suffering like crazy. And I didn't even ask for this dream, but a dream came through showing uh, people adding turmeric, you know, the Indian spice to food. Mm -hmm. And I went and looked it up online. It cracks me up. And right online, it says, you know, turmeric, nature's natural anti-inflammatory. <laughs> and so I went, huh. So I started putting turmeric in all my food and drinks. And it took a few days. And actually, it's amazing. It kind of cooled my body down in a way that I had never experienced before. Wow. So there's a lot of wisdom and answers available to people through dreams. They just have to ask. And I think after a while, um, you know, I've met a lot of people on my journey uh, promoting my book now, and I've met people that, that know this about themselves already. They know they get answers through dreams. And I think the more you start to trust it, uh, the more the answers start to come. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it's, it's just being open to it as well. So you yeah. kind of have to open, oh, being open to it when you're awake. And then also, how do you open yourself up when you're, when you're dreaming? I yeah. love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, John. I really You're appreciate welcome. that. Mm -hmm. What? So now the big question that we always like to ask is what decision did you make or was made for you that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are some of those charged qualities that you used to help you through that? 
Yeah, so um, the book I wrote began 20 years ago when everything that could go wrong all went wrong at the same time in my mm. life. And uh, by comparison, I think I left, left, led a fairly charmed life uh, up to that point. And I don't think I'd truly been challenged. But in a short period of time, my wife got cancer uh, completely out of left field. She recovered, but she changed dramatically. She started reading books on God and the meaning of life and questioning her life. In the middle of it all, she decided uh, she wanted a whole new life and left. And so suddenly I was left with custody of my two kids who were 9 and 11. At the same time, I had left my very secure corporate job to start my own company. And while the sales were good, uh, I was hemorrhaging cash like you can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And I'd managed to dig uh, our family into a hole of 650,000 in debt, 250,000 personal credit card debt. And every day I was just sure the business was, you know, we were one hair's breadth away going under, going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. And so in the blink of an eye, I'm divorced with custody of two kids, wondering how the hell I'm ever going to start over again. And it was terrifying, to be honest. And so the quality that I took on was um, courage, number one. Mm -hmm. I remember just like, God dang it. I'm going to be the best dad ever. I'm going to, I'm going to turn mm. this around. Even though in the moment I felt like a bad dad, bad husband, bad businessman. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and weirdly in the middle of it all, uh, I had prior to this time, I had not been religious or spiritual. In fact, I tried to keep it as far away as possible, but I had this horrifying fear of death. Like I'd never confronted death. Like what mm. happens after you die? And I was running around behind closed doors, just terrified of death. And so I just tried to embrace being a better dad. I did the best I could at work every day. I worked hard at being a great dad. I worked hard at um, you know trying to turn my business around. And so, and then I would. I'm going to pick a second quality, uh, mm-hmm. which was a harder one for me. It's amazing how when things go wrong, uh, humility. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for the first time in my life, I started asking other people for help. Mm-hmm. Was trying to do it all myself. Uh, I joined a group therapy process and it was terrifying because it was two women therapists and all women and me. And I felt like a man alone. Wow. <laughs> and the fear of vulnerability was just over the top. And um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the courage to just, um, and this, I have to, I have to say it wasn't like, it wasn't like I didn't have second doubts at times, but I mm-hmm. think, from that day forward, I um, I decided I was going to embrace my fears instead of running from them. And it was mm-hmm. maybe three years later that, ironically, I had joined a, a spiritual study group, and the teacher says, "Okay, for the month of November, we're gonna we're gonna embrace the mystery of death." And I thought, "Oh my God, here's my chance to mm-hmm. embrace instead of run from the thing that had been terrifying me for so long." Mm-hmm. And so I embraced. All the vulnerability in therapy. I embraced uh, facing and confronting death and actually embracing it. It was so freeing. I can't even begin to tell you. Mm. Uh, and so I am. And then humility, too, because I went to work every day for probably the first for the next two years after I got divorced and just hanging by a thread. And I just had a mantra that made me help me survive. 
do your best, let go. Because even if you do your best, it might still all fall apart. Mm-hmm. And luckily it didn't. But I was like, you know, if it happens, it happens. Mm. <laughs> It'll be the ultimate humility, but I'm just going to have to learn from it and grow from it. Wow. John, it's, there's so much there. So I want to take courage first. Okay. And, and because these decisions really kind of have, I mean, the divorce and the, the, the cancer kind of happened to you. didn't make a decision to like, I'm right. going to, you know, leave. Um, and so many people, things happen, lose a job, get divorced. Um, and your business, like you said, you, you're hemorrhaging so much cash. Yeah. What, how did you start? Cause now you're on the other side and people love that story, but then how did you start with that courage? I mean, you said you had this mantra, but how did you find that mantra and how did you kind of, how did this really shift your worldview from you said, I had a pretty charmed life up until this point. <laughs> so how did you find it in you? Right. Cause I'm thinking, Oh my goodness, you could have definitely John gone a different way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so how did you find it in, inside yourself to start that mantra and, and start, feeling that, that fear, but doing it anyway, which is so courageous. Well, I think everybody reacts to, let's call it bad news or horrifying news or a bunch of bad things happening differently. And so I, you know, I, I think by nature, I was kind of energetic and competitive. And at first Mm. I kind of took it on, to be honest, with anger and rage, Mm. like, oh, I am going to make this, you know, Mm-hmm. And and then that went for about a month of like just the sheer energy of like, oh, I'm going to do this, you know, mm-hmm. and then I started to melt. <laughs> and and honestly, after that, it was one day at a time. It was one minute at a time. Mm-hmm. It's no different for somebody, say, that is an alcoholic and they want to quit. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's just trying to get through the next hour. And um, and so it was hard. It was humiliating. I had people coming in, you know, it felt sorry for me and they were bringing me food and I was mm. horrifying that they felt sorry for me and were bringing me food. So I don't know what to say, except, you know, I went into group therapy and for the first year I wanted to help other people, but I did not want to be helped. I did not mm. want to be vulnerable. Um, I went to my first ever spiritual retreat and I didn't have a lot of wild and crazy spiritual experiences, but I did realize that, um, I don't think I'd, I realized how much I'd kept people at a distance and there was a little wall around me. And even though I'd been in management, literally my entire life, starting at age 18, uh, there was a little bit of distance between me and other people. And it was the first time I felt true intimacy. And so you might say the journey slowly, painfully, but with difficulty was into being honest, being authentic, being vulnerable, um, asking for help, learning humility. Um, and so I think that I, you know, at first it was like just energy and rage, like, oh, yeah, I, I know I can do this. And then it was like, okay, I'm going to have to learn to do things a different way. And it just felt right. Mm. And so miraculously, almost immediately, my company stopped hemorrhaging cash and while I wasn't making any money, I wasn't bleeding anymore. And for two years, I kind of felt like the company was just hanging by a thread, not getting worse, but not getting better. And then, um, so I went through this whole process that was painful and slow, but I'm so grateful I went through it. Yeah. I think you so said that key of just that one step at a time. Yeah. 
and yep. that painfully slow. And I think sometimes we forget when we hear a story like yours and we're like, oh, he went from A to B. <laughs> and he just, right. And like, oh, that's nice. You're like, no, 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 no. It was, <laughs> it, there was so much to it. And you had to think about it every day and make it. And what you did is you made a choice every day to do something different. And so I was just, I was thinking, cause I'm a parent as well, John. And I'm, I'm thinking when you said, you know, you kind of let down that wall and you asked for help and you were vulnerable. How did that change your relationship with your kiddos, with your two kids during all this? Like, how did you feel different? Like you showed up for them in a different way? Yeah. Two things I want to say about that. Uh, one, um, I didn't know it at the time that I was going through it. And so, uh, cause you never know what is happening when you're in it. It's mm-hmm. only afterwards you look back mm-hmm. and go, Oh, okay. That mm-hmm. all makes total sense. I'm so glad I went through that. Yeah. But you know, but when you're in it, it just kind of feels like hell and you're just treading water yes. trying to get through it. Yes. <clears throat> so, um, but what happened to me was, you know, my wife and I joke about that my book could have been called Rigid Rational Male Transforms into Random Accidental Mystic. And, and, well, I kind of like that title, John. I know. Well, and um, it's, uh, I had lived my life very one-sided, you know, competitive, um, hardworking, all qualities I think most people would associate with masculine, you know, very goal oriented, yep. yep. uh, striving, accomplishment. And, but through this whole period of vulnerability and intimacy and humility, I think I stepped into what other people would call your feminine side. Like, I think mm-hmm. I learned to listen in a way I'd never listened before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the qualities that most people would attribute it and call feminine qualities were being developed. And so how did it happen? What happened with my kids? I became sort of mom and dad to my kids. I think I started to appreciate them like a mother would instead of mm. just a father. And so, you know, I'm not saying it was easy, but I grew to enjoy being both mother and father to my kids. Mm. That's the best way I can put it. Um the other thing I can say, um, you know, my own uh, daughter, who had been this great kid up until about 16, like this wise little old soul that just, you know, great at school, everybody liked, um, just suddenly decided I'm going to be a party girl <laughs> kind of went uh, down the dark side for a couple of years. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, right. it, was, it seems so out of character. It's completely yeah, over the top. Yeah. And so, you know, more humility as a single dad whose daughter kind of went, you know, and so and she was an inpatient and then outpatient and uh, recovering from, you know, drugs and alcohol. And then but the humility was even though I'd gotten divorced, my ex-wife and I got together uh, for three years in a row and spoke to parents. Now, we are we had a happy ending to that. So. A daughter came out and I think has been, my daughter is 30 years old now and has been clean and sober since age of 19. Wow. Uh, But she made up for a lot of it at age 17 and 18, believe me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She packed it all in, John. (laughs) Oh my God. We had a a happy ending, but we spoke to other parents whose teenagers were going through it and were every bit as full of denial as I had been Mm -hmm. because it's like, not my daughter. She wouldn't do that. And 
boy, was she doing it. And yeah. so there was humility and kind of the shared tears of speaking to parents like, yeah, we've been, <laughs> we've been exactly where you guys are right now. And it's, it's a painful journey. And you don't know if it's going to be a happy ending with your kid or not. You just don't know. Right. <clears throat> I, I think that's so, in a way, such beautiful, um, that humility is you really don't know. So you can't yeah. control it all. And so that's yeah. quite a lesson, especially, I, I just think it's so beautiful the way you talked about that masculine and feminine side, yeah. um, because regardless of kind of how you present and gender and all that kind of stuff, there is this kind of, how do you have both sides? How do you be kind of this goal orientation and you can be competitive and there's some very healthy things about being competitive yeah. and goal, right? Yeah. You get things yeah. done. Speaking, of course, that's my bias. Um, and then, <laughs> Right. So bias, bias. Um, but then also that deep listening and being vulnerable. And and I think, you know, you were forced to to do it, but you embraced it instead yeah. of just keep denying it, which you still could right now. And, you know, I'm sure we all know people who keep denying it years later and you opened it up and, and you were humble. And then I think that when your daughter, because like you said, she was doing so well in this wise soul. And so it's such out of character to, to, to be the party person and, and, and yeah. have addiction. Um, and for you again, to have to go through this in denial and go, no, no, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be humble. I'm going to try to help. Um, yeah. And what just beautiful lessons that you learned and can help others kind of step out of themselves as well. And what kind of the expectations or the box they're in, as you mentioned. Yeah, I think um, my daughter was a great teacher for me because my daughter is as stubborn and hard-headed <laughs> as you're going to find on the planet. And so my old ways of being, because I literally have been bossing people around since I was the age of 18. And so <laughs> being competitive, being goal-oriented, being pushy, you know, you know, telling her what to do, it wasn't going to work. And in fact, I wrote a chapter in my book about going through that period with my daughter and I called it Patience and presence. And mm. I just learned how to, uh, you know, I, I don't know how your kids are, but th there, there comes a point where it's up to the kid, what they want to do with their life. Yes. Yeah. So I had, I found what worked best for her was we would just go to lunch and I would just mm. listen and I would be patient and I'd be really present with her. <laughs> but, mm. but if I tried to push, you know, it just wasn't going to work. And yeah. so in a way it was like um, she was taking charge of her own life. Mm. <clears throat> and so it was a lesson for me that sometimes patience and presence wins out in the end instead of being really pushy. Yes. Yeah. There's a, I, I remember, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was when you're holding water in your hand, if you keep kind of open and your palm yeah. open, the water stays there. Right. And yeah. if you crush your hand, if you make a fist, water spills out everywhere. So I'm thinking that's kind of the pushy part, right? Like yep. you're trying to control it and push it, and then you can't control water like that. It, it all it all goes away. But if you just yeah. hold it in your hand, be patient, be present, be caring, well, then it just sits there, and you're good. Yeah, um, yeah you nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. What um, – what, John, do you think, besides reading your book, of course, which I know mm -hmm. it has like these beautiful lessons that you've learned, what are some, we like action here. We want people to listen to your story and say, what could I do? So if I'm kind of, maybe I'm stuck and I'm 
just going through a divorce or my, my child's acting out or, or maybe I'm a manager who's kind of have this wall up and I'm thinking about how to help my, my company that's not doing well. What are some of the actions that you have for our listeners to help them? Um, I think the journey is different for everybody because it sounds like I'm probably like you, like being goal oriented is very natural for me. Yeah. And that might be something that somebody else really has to learn. Uh, mine was more around, um, well, I, I think the first thing I would say is no matter what you're doing in your life, where you're at in your life, with your relationships, your business, your company, uh, facing your fears, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> instead of running from them, you know, there's a really beautiful book by Judith Orloff called second sight. And she also would get a lot of information through dreams. And she had formed a business with a business partner and, they were at odds about how the business should be run, but they were being really nice to each other. They weren't, you know, they weren't, um, they weren't talking about the elephant in the room and, but they were both seething behind closed doors and mm. angry. And she had this dream where this giant fire was chasing her and she's running and running. And a voice in the dream says, you know, if you face the fire, it won't hurt you. Mm. And she turned around and faced it and the fire just and she knew instantly it was like she needs to go and talk to this guy, and um, and so I I wouldn't I would tell everybody that what the thing that you're running from or want to run from, turn around, face it, embrace it. There's a lesson to be learned there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of growth to be ha- that can, to be had there, and uh, so that would be the the first thing now, for me. Again, another action thing: humility. Uh, that was hard for me, but it might be easy for somebody else. It's yeah. okay to ask for help. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was a part of, you might've heard of, there's a group called Vistage that's yes, yeah, uh, world's largest CEO peer group. I used to call it group therapy for CEOs. Yeah. It is. It totally is, John. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would tell people all the time, like sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so, um, it's good, you know, when you're struggling to be curious, ask questions, poke around a little bit, see what other people did in different situations. Um, and probably the last one I, I saw in your charge framework, exemplary. Mm-hmm. I think after you've got all the others down pat, exemplary is actually uh, living and embodying your wisdom. A lot of people can spout wisdom. Less people can actually live it in their day to day Yes. And I think that's the challenge for me and for everybody is I got it. Now I want to live it. I already want to, I don't even have to speak it anymore because I'm going to be a living example of it. Yeah. Mm. So those would be my three action items. Oh, those are beautiful, John. Thank you. I was just thinking of my, um, my beautiful co-host and business partner, Kelly, and she is the epitome of facing her fear and doing it, like turning yeah. around and doing it, moving Kelly, <laughs> starting a business, all the things that she has change averse to and yet did it all. So Kelly, what are you thinking of, of John's just beautiful, the humility, the courage. What are your thoughts, Kelly? Well, I was going to say, is it something today I'm doing that I'm scared of and I'm facing my fears? Um, <laughs> daily. daily. A daily fear that, that I'm facing? <laughs> Because <laughs> sometimes it does feel that way a little bit, John. There's a, a definite calmness about you that I feel um, almost soothed when I hear you speak. I don't know if you've heard that before. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Even my daughter said, 
She goes, Dad, when I talk to you, I feel energetically cleansed. So I'm like, well, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So thank you. I appreciate that. For sure. There's something really wise, too, about the being patient and present mm-hmm. um, that you shared with us. And I think a lot of times people in their quest to help will say, you should just do this or you should just do that. But you come from a very different place. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of of offering almost, um, I don't, I, and it's even hard to articulate, but just coming from a place of wanting to almost hear someone's story and then maybe offering insights in a way that is unique to them, yeah. but not making a suggestion in a, in a um, kind of coded reference that they should be doing something. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that because that's really... I think my version of me trying to be and stepping into being more exemplary because, you know, I, I, I not taking away anything from people that have solutions for other people and you should do this, you should do that. Cause sometimes there's value in that. Mm-hmm. And some people are very solution oriented when it comes to helping other people. But ultimately I think it's more empowering to be patient and present and really kind of turn the situation around to what do you think you should do? <clears throat> and because uh, people have more innate wisdom than I think they know. And so I, I, it's, that's my version of integrity or being exemplary is probably uh, in my own patient present way, empowering the other person rather than giving them a list of do's and don'ts and shoulds and should nots. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you mentioned too, is this idea of, as much as it was painful for you to be in that, that time of your, your wife having made the decision to leave mm-hmm. now, a, now a single father, you'd amassed some debt, starting your own company, all of these uns- unknowns, it leaves you feeling very vulnerable. Of course, <laughs> there's this, you know, right. And then there's this level of um, wanting to control things. There's this feeling in, in, and I have a passion for learning and development. So a lot of times we'll talk about um, you're not, um, you're not learning unless you're, you're um, uncomfortable, right? If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. And so that was very much a kind of a theme I was thinking about as I was listening to your story. Yeah. I, uh, you know, when I, I like to say over and over again, when you're in it, it just feels like hell but moving through it and coming out the other side and then looking back, I this over and over again, it's like, oh, I'm so grateful actually. Mm-hmm. And I, and so I don't know if that's answering or, you know, mm-hmm. tacking onto what you're talking about, but um, yeah, sometimes um, the most growth can come when you're the least comfortable. And when you mm-hmm. least you know, I had this dream once. It was silly because I get a lot of crazy dreams. And it was just a voice. And it said, live what you don't want to keep. And so, and so, and that's how dreams can be. The messages can be kind of cryptic. Like, can you just be a little more clear here? What are you trying to say? But I think I understood. It was like when you're in something that you just don't want. And, I, you know, I'm not talking about um, maybe an abusive relationship where the answer literally is to leave, you know, take action. A lot of times we find ourselves stuck with something we don't want in our life, but the way th- the way to get past it is to live it and to embrace it. And so um, that's you know I 
I remember Eckhart Tolle once said, in every single situation, you have two choices, either leave or deal with it, like embrace it. And, and if you can't leave or don't leave, you might as well fully embrace it. Because there's something to be learned there in that uh, when you're on that uncomfortable edge. Absolutely. And there's this, and it's, it also speaks a lot to the, the vulnerability that you speak of too. And, and that idea of being uncomfortable, being vulnerable. Um, it also helps you generate quite a bit of self-awareness, which is a theme that has definitely woven, woven itself through our podcast. Um, the idea of being able to learn more about yourself as you are going through these moments of uncomfortable um, learning, you know, realizing who you are at maybe some of the lowest points in your life where you're having to really figure out who it is you are in some of the most um, down positions that you could potentially be in or facing, whether it was something you chose for yourself or something that um, was unfortunately chosen for you. Um, But making that decision and figuring out what you're going to do. Um, And it's also that moment where you realize who the people closest to you really are. And sometimes the people you thought were the closest to you aren't really those that are. So um, I'm just so grateful to you for having shared your story. Yeah, I wanted to tack on to what you just said there. And I, mm-hmm. this is why, um, having been involved in a number, I've been involved in a men's organization called Mankind Project for the last 10 years and a number of different healing groups, organizations, watch my daughter go through rehab. And so that is one of the things they don't tell you. When you're going through a deep transformation, it sometimes means the old friends fall away the old hobbies fall away, where you used to live falls away. And, you know, I, I, you know, as somebody who managed a lot of people throughout my entire life, I can't tell me many times I had an employee that had an alcohol problem, said, I'm going to quit. And they go to AA. And at first it's inciting and enthralling, you know, I'm going to quit drinking. Drinking is ruining my life. But then they realized their whole life revolved around drinking and all the friends that they had like to drink still. And I was like, wow, I'm going to have to make a complete change to my life. And so transformation is enthralling and it can be painful. And and like you were saying, sometimes the old friends fall away and new ones need to be, need to be found. Mm-hmm. It is. And it, it speaks so much to that overarching, everyone's journey is unique and different. And yeah. it's important to support people on their journey because they are unique and if we truly are um, supportive friends to those people who are going through those difficult journeys, then, um, you know, we will help them in whatever way that looks. Right. right, right. So um, that's, I think why I love your story so much is because you, you were supportive to your daughter, you offered, you know, the guidance, but you weren't pushing, right. You were present and you were patient, which I think would have been very different if you were saying you need to do this, you need to do that to her. She would have responded very differently to you. That's exactly right. And I, I had pushiness down pat. <laughs> I, I knew how to tell people what to do. I knew how to push. And uh, so, yeah, it was it was beautiful. I mean, I in a way, she taught me. I had to learn to be patient and present. And ever since, and, you know, it's really funny. I met uh, a guy once uh, and there was a, a, a person that was having some kind of vexing problem. And I watched the guy. He mostly didn't say anything. He just listened. And I was kind of miraculous watching him work. And so I asked him later, I said, so what do you do for a living? And even though he was just a white guy, he goes, well, I'm a shaman. 
I'm like, a shaman? Well, what does a shaman do? He goes, well, I mostly just hold space. And so it, that's what patience and presence feels like. It's almost like you're holding space for the other person mm-hmm. to kind of get to their own solution, solve their own problem. And ever since that day, I've been trying to move towards that going, wow, I think that's the ultimate empowerment. It's like, yeah, you're not giving the other person solutions so much as you're offering just support. And it, but the support just feels like I'm here, I'm listening, you know, uh, and I'm really present with you. And so that to me is an example of what some people might call a feminine quality that I've had to learn and I've enjoyed learning. Wow. Well, we're, I'm just so grateful to have heard your story and, and thank you for being so vulnerable. And I'm so happy for your daughter. I'm happy for you. Um, and I, I think you definitely are exemplary, at least in my book, you definitely live and embody your wisdom. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just so grateful to have been able to have um, heard your story. And I know our listeners are as well. And, inclu- and in fact, we will be including all of your great contact information um, your, your, um, your, the link to your book. We'll also include the link to second site, that book by Judith, Judith Orloff that you mentioned as oh, well. Great. Um, so we'll be doing that as well as a link to your website, um, so that they, people can tap into that, um, energy and all of the great information that you, um, have as well. So we're so grateful for you, um, being with us. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the invitation. Love chatting with both of you. Thank you. The pleasure was all ours. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.